Today we are facing some of the greatest challenges of our lives, from our health to political unrest, the environment, financial uncertainty, and the nation's racial divide. Welcome to Bill Myers Inspires. My idea for this show was to invite guests and get the conversation started, to take a deep dive into the issues that impact our world with an eye to exploring solutions. And we encourage our listeners to look within themselves to take decisive action to make a positive difference. Welcome to Bill Myers Inspires. I'm your host, Bill Myers. And today we are doing a show that is called About Juneteenth, the history and significance with my guest today, Faye Williams. Now, what is Juneteenth? What is the history of Juneteenth and its significance? And why is Juneteenth becoming a national holiday in America at this time? My guest, Faye Williams, has been a driving force in creating forums and platforms where people of different views and perspectives can work together to achieve a common goal. An attorney by profession, Faye has applied her broad range of skills to promote family involvement, leadership development, and community action to transform the city of Indianapolis. She has lent her leadership to the boards of the, Indi uh, the Indianapolis Children's Museum, where she chaired its diversity and governance committees, the Central Indiana Regional Blood Center, Visiting Nurses Association of Central Indiana, the Community Service Council of Greater Indianapolis, United Way of Greater Indianapolis, National Civic League, Indianapolis Economic Development Corporation, and countless others. She was a founding board member of the Indianapolis Urban League and president of the Indianapolis chapter of the Coalition of 100 Black Women and has been recognized as a benign help me here. B'nai Breath. B'nai Breath, Woman of the Year. Thank you. Uh, the Mary Bethune Award for, from the National Council of Negro Women, the Distinguished Citizen Award from the National Municipal League, and received an honorary Doctor of Laws degree from Martin University. Please help me welcome my special guest today, Ms. Faye Williams. Faye? Thank you. Very happy to be a part of your program, and especially on the occasion of the making Juneteenth a national holiday. Now, Faye, before we go any further, you're on to something, but we, we spoke briefly last night as I was giving you directions and, and, and final notes for today. And you said, wow, how, did, how did in the world did we know that this would be the occasion where we had, we had agreed to do a show on Juneteenth, and Juneteenth's coming up, but on the a national holiday. I mean, my goodness. It is something that I never thought would happen as a national holiday. But of course, growing up in Texas, and particularly on Galveston Island, where Juneteenth started, because it was on June 19, 1865, that the Union Army arrived mm -hmm. in Galveston and declared that the Emancipation Proclamation was to be enforced. It was, that's when the Civil War finally ended and Texas was the last state of the Confederacy to be captured. My goodness. So it was really a turning point for the whole country. 
Mm. I would like to read this if you don't mind. This was the origins of Juneteenth. This was general order number three, and it reads as follows. The people are informed that in accordance with the proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of personal rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves, and the connection heretofore existing between them become that between employer and hired labor. The freed are advised to remain at their present homes and work for wages. They are informed that they will not be allowed to collect at military posts and that they will not be supported in idleness either there or elsewhere. General Gordon Granger, Galveston, Texas, June 19th, 1865. And this is general order number three. Yes, general order number three, of course, brought with it the, finally the promise of the Emancipation Proclamation. If one reads carefully the Emancipation Proclamation, at the time it was issued, it was merely a piece of paper because the Confederacy was in full force, the Civil War was in full force, and a man named Jefferson Davis was the president of the Confederacy. They had their own money, they had their own army. And therefore, nothing Abraham Lincoln said or did made a difference to the Confederacy. It did do something very significant in that it changed the direction of the Civil War because it says all slaves and states that are in rebellion are to be free. But it also did something else. It welcomed African-Americans into the Union Army. And by making them a part of the war effort, it means that they were fighting for their own freedom. And now, they, this, was, this was the Emancipation Proclamation did this. The Emancipation Proclamation was issued against the slave states that were in rebellion. Okay. There were four slave states that didn't join the Confederacy. Kentucky was one of them. Mm -hmm. the, the four states, Maryland, Missouri, Delaware, and Kentucky were all slave states, but they chose not to join the Confederacy. So Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation did not impact at all the slaves in those states. Mm. It did, however, in the 11 states of the Confederacy, which were the, the Deep South, Mississippi, Alabama, Texas. Now, the 11 states then established their own tax system, their own financial base, and continued to fight the war. The Confederate Army, however, surrendered in April of 1865. That's when we there, there are pictures of General Robert E. Lee surrendering to General Grant. At Appomattox. Yes. That spelled the surrender. However, it took a few more months for the Texans to come under the fold. That was on in June. Uh, the, the folklore is that Texas had been its own independent country 
and it had tried to become independent again. And therefore, that's why the holdouts. Hmm. Now, you mentioned something a moment ago when you were identifying the four states. Mm -hmm. uh, I was surprised to hear Delaware, uh, because Delaware is clearly in the north. Do you, you know what I mean? That that was one of them that was a slave state. As you well, but it is. Well, but Delaware is close to Virginia. Oh, well, there you there. I remember that's... Virginia was a very important part of the Civil War. Right, right. In fact, that was the, the, the seat of the Confederacy okay. was there. So that when we look at it, it's a, it's, it's a mixed bag. And Indiana, of course, was very divided. Mm -hmm. That because it was not a slave state, but it was a state friendly to the slave trade. Okay. Okay. As there were, and and we have to look at how complex the whole issue was, because as the North were trying to become manufacturing base, the South was still the breadbasket and the feeding, and the slaves were the free labor for the agricultural industry. So there were a lot of rich people in Mississippi, white people. But once slavery ended and their major product and workforce was gone, Mississippi has been a poor state ever since. Wow. Yeah, that's very, that's very fascinating. Um, I had a conversation with one of my guests, Tom DeWolf, and he was talking about the economic system of America. And he mentioned that um, prior to the New York Stock Exchange, it was called the New York Cotton Exchange. So that, that settles- It was a major product. The, the major product. One of the largest buildings on Galveston Island was the Cotton Exchange. My father was a longshoreman. Mm. And the major product being shipped out of Galveston, being loaded by back men, was cotton. And the Cotton Exchange, uh, the longshoremen in Galveston became one of the first organized labor in 1889. Mm. And uh, they still tend to celebrate a lot of the longshoremen. Of course, now the uh, shipping industry has just about gone from Galveston. There's a little of it left, but now tourism and cruise shipping is the most thing. But I'd like to tell you a story about my first Juneteenth. Mm -hmm. uh, my father was from a town called Brazoria, which is a rural area about 50 miles from Galveston where I was born. And Juneteenth was a big celebration there. And at four years old, my father took me there uh, because by that time, I was the oldest of three at four, and my mother had to stay home with the two people, two, two younger brothers. The program at that uh, Juneteenth celebration was something that has stuck with me all my life because the reading of the Emancipation Proclamation was not the most important event. It was that 10-year-old girl who performed, I would say, rather than recited, General Order Three. 
And when she said the phrase that ends with absolute equality, the crowd just clapped and clapped for her. And I say that was my first role model because I looked forward to being on the stage with people clapping for me. Wow, wow. I can see how that, that could be very inspiring. That yeah. could be very inspiring. Oh, but the, the other thing there, there were two people on the stage who had been slaves and they were honored. It's the only time I ever remember being in a program where live people who had been slaves were part of the group being honored. And I walked away and they talked about buying and selling people. And in my four-year-old mind, I thought they went to the store and bought them. Wow. So finally, my father took me down to the wharves in Galveston to show me where the slave ships came in and the, where they had auctions. Hmm. You know, it, just discussing, <laughs> discussing the process of slavery is just one that it just feels it's just difficult because it's, it's hard to wrap your head around the idea because we've, well, you've, you experienced at least being able to be in that, in the presence of former slaves. Uh, and um, I, I, I am, uh, I, I just can't imagine the, the impact well, when of that. I went to Texas Southern University undergrad and there was a class on slavery around the world. And you learned about other places and times in which they had been slaves. The American slave system was one of the more unique ones. When other civilizations were enslaved, usually they didn't take them from their home. They didn't break up families. They didn't prohibit them having education. The, the Romans enslaved the Greeks, but the Greek culture was still allowed to prevail. Mm. Wow. You know, it, it, this is rich. This is rich. And we're, we're coming up on our first break, Faye, and we're going to take that break and, uh, and then we'll come back and, and dive in a little bit more. But this is fascinating. Again, we are here today talking about, about Juneteenth with my special guest, Faye Williams. And we'll be back in just a moment. Today, we are facing some of the greatest challenges of our lives, from our health to political unrest, the environment, financial uncertainty, and the nation's racial divide. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Bill Myers Inspires as he and his guests take a deep dive into the issues that impact our world with an eye to exploring solutions. Emmy Award-winning actor Bill Myers is an accomplished actor, jazz musician, filmmaker, writer, educator, and speaker. As a biracial man who's both black and white, Bill leverages his background, talent, and voice through creativity, compassion, and connection as activism for social justice to focus on uniting the divide and compelling change. Bill Myers Inspires encourages listeners to look within themselves and take decisive action to make a positive difference. For more information, visit his website, BillMyersInspires.com, and sign in for the latest news and updates. 
Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You're listening to Bill Myers Inspires here on the Inspired Choices Network. We're here every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for joining us. And now, let's get back to the conversation. We are back, and you're listening to Bill Myers Inspires, and we are talking about Juneteenth, the historic significance of Juneteenth, which was just uh, voted and 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 uh, declared a national holiday in the United States. And I'm here with my special guest, Faye Williams, who is from Galveston, Texas, the very location where Juneteenth uh, and its its origins. Uh, are and and where the event occurred. Um, so tell us about this real quick, because I, you know, I'm doing this show today mostly because of my own continued curiosity on the subject of Juneteenth. Um, and also, I know it, where I am curious, I know that there are many people. I, I saw some statistical breakdown yesterday that somebody was suggesting that most um, Blacks in America know about Juneteenth. I would argue that's probably not true. I, I would bet you if I walk out here and you know just started stopping people, they would go, "Yeah, I don't really know." So the the purpose of this show is to to get underneath this so that we can know what the significance and and what Juneteenth is all about. Because again, we've just occurred to the holiday, but I would argue that I, I don't believe most of America really is clued in on what that is. I bet it's pretty strange to them. So hopefully we can shed light on, on that today. So Faye, you were, you, you just shared with me this book um, and just tell us a little bit about this book. Well, here. this is a, a relatively new book on, on Juneteenth by Annette Garden Reed, a fellow Texan uh, who has written a, a history kind of Juneteenth. It's, it's history and it's also a memoir about her going up, growing up in Conroe, Texas, which is not too far from Houston, uh, and the celebrations that took place in, in, in her life. Uh, I, it's a, a great read. I've seen her now on lots of uh, television programs, and she expressed on one of the programs at first, she had mixed emotions about the rest of the country celebrating it, because when she was growing up, she's younger than I, we were proud to have our own Texas holiday. But that's what I call the Texas mentality. And in Galveston, we had something we call island mentality. 
that because Galveston is full of different kinds of history. And every day was something, some kind of celebration about something, uh, ships arriving in the port, uh, the uh, freedom from uh, Texas, from Mexico and everything. So when you, Juneteenth was equally celebrated as some of the other things like San Jacinto Day and Alamo Day. So if you grew up in a celebratory atmosphere, as those of us who grew up in Texas did, mm -hmm. Juneteenth was special because it was yours, but you also knew that other people had lots of different ways in which they celebrated. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, that's that's fascinating. So I, I, you just, you just gave me a whole lot on, on Galveston and, and, and that area and the pride, the, the, the pride that you speak of that, uh, of, of being, a, of growing up there. And, and, uh, uh that's amazing. Okay. So I have another thing that way. Okay. Juneteenth was celebrated along with other incidents that was going on in 1941. Joe Lewis became the world heavyweight champion. And that became the theme of Juneteenth. And the story in the daily newspaper, the headline is Negroes here celebrate Teenth and Lewis win. Mm. In 1870, when the 15th Amendment, which was the first right to vote, for the, the newly freed slaves is that they call themselves 15th Amendment citizens were marching. At the end of World War II, I remember vaguely the uh, talking about uh, uh, a double V, victory at home and victory abroad, because the year before the, the uh, in, in 1943 that is, the uh, Smith versus Allwright case, where the uh, Lonnie Smith, the black dentist in Houston, had sued to win the right to vote in the primary elections. And that was celebrated. And Lonnie Smith was all over the place talking about it. Mm -hmm. And then another year we celebrated the integration of the law school at the uh, University of Texas. But again, there was always something to celebrate. So as we live through times in which there are all of this sadness, it was always important that we celebrated the good things about our lives and tied them in with the beginnings of freedom. Hmm. Wow. That's, you know, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Um, spirit, spirit building, spirit uh, uh, grounding, you, you know, to, to take pride in, in these events that are happening and to lift those, lift them up. The, the, the big victories, the little victories, they're victories. Mm -hmm. So celebration is, that's, that's really, really pretty wonderful. I, uh, I am very curious. I, I want to to sort of throw a, a, a wrench in right now because I'm curious because I as uh, I was sharing with you prior, but 
I uh, will bring the audience along with us on this. I, I was formerly president of the African-American Jazz Caucus, and I served on the board for a number of years with jazz legend uh, and Indianapolis native, uh, Dr. Larry Ridley, who was the executive director and also uh, one of the founders of the African-American Jazz Caucus, which is based out of New York City. And um, during the time that I served on the board and then even more so when I became president, um, one of the members that I engaged uh, on significant number of events was a gentleman named um, the Reverend Dr. Ronald Myers, who was a medical doctor. And he was originally, I believe, from Arkansas, I believe, uh, but he lived and worked in Mississippi. And um, Ron Myers was indeed uh, someone who was probably the biggest advocate for Juneteenth of anyone I've ever come across in my life. In fact, um, it was he was so incredibly committed to Juneteenth becoming a national holiday. Now, I must say, um, he piggybacked on about every event that we were doing as the Jazz Caucus to bring his agenda. It got to a point where his agenda was almost overtaking the idea of what we were there for. And so I had to sort of back up a little bit from that. And I did not understand as much as I, when I, my limited knowledge of Juneteenth, I had thought certainly the idea of the commemoration piece, I understood that, but I was not necessarily in the same place of a holiday because I was feeling like there was more shame attached to the idea of Juneteenth. I think it's. Yeah, they got the word late. Yeah. I mean, like two years later or whatever it was, it was like, wow, I think that's national shame. And and I don't, you know, that's like the, you know, the death of Emmett Till or something. These are national shames to me. I don't see that as something we would celebrate. But again, so help me with that because. Well, the first thing I say to people who tell me that, have you ever read the Emancipation Proclamation? If you read it, you understood that it was geared toward the states that had quit the Union and joined the Confederacy. Right. If you understood that there were four slave states that didn't join, then you knew it was not a complete act. And as each of those 11 states of the Confederacy fell, that's when the Emancipation Proclamation took on meaning. What I would like to see is an organization of what I would call Juneteenth scholars, and they would go to all of the 11 states of the Confederacy and find out when did the Union Army come to enforce the Emancipation Proclamation? That's when their slaves were free, not upon the issuance of, because the Confederates was a, another republic exercising its own laws. And oh, and back to General Order Three, there are five orders, and one of them, as a lawyer, which I take very seriously, it says, all acts of the Confederacy are 
null and void. <laughs> so it means then that those acts which were passed by those 11 legislators as they met, and each of those states had to be readmitted to the union. Mm, okay. So okay. there was a process for readmission. Texas, again, was the last state to be captured and one of the last to get back into the Union. Tennessee was the first one to come back into the Union mm -hmm. in 1866. And each one of them, little by little, as the Union Army prevailed in their respective capitals, they were readmitted. And that's why we call it the reconstruction period mm -hmm. because we were reconstructing and putting the union back together. And there was a process for doing that because they had been expelled from Congress. And little by little each time, and if you, you can look it up and find out when did for example, Mississippi or Georgia come back into the union. And that's usually when they were admitted back to Congress and could vote on national things. Mm. Well, that does, you know, because I think there may be just, again, like you just filled in, a gap, a huge gap, an information gap that's vital to know in order to put that in perspective. Because just to jump to it and go, Two years late, you know, you brought the, that's horrible. Well, that's, <laughs> you know because, I mean? that's why I say, I start off saying, read the Emancipation Proclamation and understand it was aimed at the Confederacy and the Confederacy was not the only place that was slaves. Right, okay. 11 states. Right, right. There were other states which did not mention. Also, there were parts of the slave states too. New Orleans as a port was exempted. Mm. There are lots of territory exempted from the Emancipation Proclamation where there were slaveholders. Why? 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 Why well, the exemption? I mean, political battles. Okay. Remember, this was a power struggle. Sure. Sure. Wow. The Union was just starting. Uh, there's a speech by Lincoln where he says that if he could save the Union and not free any slaves, he would do it. And I have seen that speech. And I have seen that one. And yes, because it, it, it's like, wow. It helps correct our, our narrative about Lincoln because we, we kind of give a little bit more credit perhaps than or we don't honestly uh take a look at it we well, just sort and of you know lincoln DFI was elected from illinois the illinois legislature passed a resolution saying he had overstepped his bounds by issuing the emancipation proclamation mm. wow well here you are folks here we are with Faye Williams. She's laying it all out for you. She's 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 schooling us all. So, um, and I, I really want to encourage people to read some of the documents and the history that I talked about. Is that if I would not have been born in Galveston in a family that 
some of whom still live on land they got from the Freedmen's Bureau in Matagorda County, Texas. I would not know what I know, but to my father's father, Juneteenth was a high holy day that we celebrated. He was not a, he was a very frugal man except on Juneteenth. He would kill a cow, have a rose and everything, but he didn't celebrate Christmas or Easter. But Juneteenth was high. And now he was born in 1872, but his parents were, because they had been slaves, they instilled in all their children the whole meaning. And of course, some of us heard the story, 40 acres and a mule. But what they don't understand, the land was not given, it was sold. Mm. Okay. See, it's rich here, folks. It's rich. We're going to take that break and we'll be right back in just a minute. You are listening to Bill Myers Inspires with my special guest, Faye Williams. And today's show is about Juneteenth. And we'll be back. In today, just a we are facing some of the greatest challenges of our lives from our health to political unrest, the environment, financial uncertainty, and the nation's racial divide. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Bill Myers Inspires as he and his guests take a deep dive into the issues that impact our world with an eye to exploring solutions. Emmy Award-winning actor Bill Myers is an accomplished actor, jazz musician, filmmaker, writer, educator, and speaker. As a biracial man who's both black and white, Bill leverages his background, talent, and voice through creativity, compassion, and connection as activism for social justice to focus on uniting the divide and compelling change. Bill Myers Inspires encourages listeners to look within themselves and take decisive action to make a positive difference. For more information, visit his website, BillMyersInspires.com, and sign in for the latest news and updates. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows, along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Even though they didn't. You're listening to Bill Myers Inspires. Here on the Inspired Choices Network. We're here every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for joining us. And now, let's get back to the conversation. We are back, and you're listening to Bill Myers Inspires. And today, our show is about Juneteenth with my special guest, Faye Williams. Now, Faye, during the break just now, you were sharing some information with me that I think should be shared with 
with our audience regarding uh, the slave states. And I, I don't even want to set that up because I want you to set that up as, as you are looking at this document. Well, it's important to note that the 13th Amendment, which became a part of the Constitution, did not take effect until after the Civil War was over. And that is what made slavery uniformly illegal in the, in, the, in the country. And that was passed in December of 1865. So the Emancipation Proclamation changed the direction of the Civil War. The General Order Three, or the first five orders of which General Order Three is what we talk about, was the one which actually freed the slaves to enforce the Emancipation Proclamation. But proclamations can go, can be wiped out. A constitutional amendment is what stays with us. So in December of 1865, we finally passed the 13th Amendment, which actually says that slavery is forbidden in the states. And it's important to note that there were states that had not joined the Confederacy, basically Delaware and Kentucky, who at first voted against the 13th Amendment. Now, the uh, uh, 27 of the 36 states ratified, the, which made the 13th Amendment a part of the Constitution in December of 1865. It had passed Congress that February. And of course, that February, some of these slaveholding states were not back into the Union yet. Mm. So you have to, to really try and understand the politics of the time. Uh, and it's tied up with the economy. Uh, wealthy people owned slaves. That was their major product. Uh, I have looked up the uh, manifests of the ship that brought my father's ancestors to Texas from North Carolina. One of them had a value of $150 because he was listed as a carpenter. The one who was listed as a laborer was only $75. And they were sold on the dock of Galveston, mm. arriving from North Carolina on a ship called the Palomino. And there were a lot of slaves shipped into Texas as the abolitionist movement was gaining in the East Coast which is, you know, the North and South Carolina. So the, who were big slaveholding states at that point, but as they were losing the, the political battles, they were shipping their slaves further South and into Texas because Texas was considered a safe territory because it has been its own country. country. And Sam Houston, who was the president of the Texas Republic, 
objected to Texas joining the Confederacy, but he lost that fight. Mm. Yeah, it's important to, to note the, the sequence of these events, mm -hmm. um, because that tells a little story, you know, a little uh, more details in the story. And, and those details make a huge difference because I, like I said, you know, these things sort of just get glossed over as emancipation, probably the 13th amendment, you know, no one's generally uh, reminding us that not everybody bought into this and not everybody was on board yet. So it, the way it's taught is just sort of blanket, you know, and all those details, all those really intricate details, um, matter. And well, I think part of the struggle we are going through now about the critical race theory is how much truth do we want? And, you know, there's one state that recently passed some kind of legislation as to you can't make people uncomfortable. Well, keeping them ignorant of the past, I think, is a greater sense sin than discomfort uh, from learning the truth and then doing something about it. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, the one thing I know about growth is that it is neither convenient or comfortable. <laughs> so it's time to get uncomfortable in order to uh, to uh, e examine the truth and so that we can make decisions to move forward and be better about it. But if we are remain ignorant of it, then we will never. You see, never there, really there, there, there were two truths uh, that I had to deal with in terms of my uh, uh, was growing up in Texas, we could go to Mexico without a passport at the time. All you had to do was prove you're American citizen. Most of the farm labor in Texas, as, as Blacks moved to the urban areas, farm labor were the Mexicans and it's called migrant labor. Mm -hmm. And I was shocked when I moved to Indiana to find out that there was a very large migrant labor force coming into Indiana for a period of time. And I got involved in an organization that was working for, that was called AMOS, the Association of Migrant Opportunity Service. And it dealt with finding a way to assist the Mexican who came here for farm labor mm -hmm. were treated right and paid something. I never would have thought that Indiana would have dependency on that kind of labor. Mm. Now in Galveston, and in Texas, I understood it. Because we of proximity. Right, right, right. Exactly. Exactly. So so was that primarily seasonal? It was seasonal labor. Okay, okay. And see, and that was part of the problem because the farmers did not look for them to have the same rights as other laborers. Okay, okay. In terms of wages, in terms of living conditions. And the other thing, some of them came and they didn't want to go back. Mm. Okay. And there were special permits for temporary labor. 
Okay. Yeah, it's it, it's very interesting. I think there is so so you were shocked to find that we had a, such a large migrant worker force here in Indiana. Exactly. Because we are not next, next door. door. We're yeah, not next yeah, door to yeah, any. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And that they tended to come without families. Most of the uh, Galveston Island, when I was growing up, was a third Hispanic, a third Ang Anglo, and a third Black. But most of the Mexicans who I knew and lived around uh, were family groupings. Mm -hmm. They came from Mexico as families. In Indiana, it was mostly single men in the, mm. in the, labor ca in the camps around here. And that's a very different kind of, of thing. And that helped me look at my mother's family. Was, my mother's from Louisiana, was born in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And I learned the difference between French migration and the English and Western European is that the English bought families with them. They settled Jamestown and all like that. Mm -hmm. The French were basically explorers, which is why we have a lot of Creoles, okay. men only. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and they tended to interact with the slave women. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Such interactions. <laughs> Thank God for those interactions. I, I wouldn't be here if there weren't some of those kind of interactions. So you are you are listening to our show today, which is about Juneteenth with my special guest, Faye Williams. And we're going to take a break and we'll be right back in just a minute. Today, we are facing some of the greatest challenges of our lives, from our health to political unrest, the environment, financial uncertainty, and the nation's racial divide. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Bill Myers Inspires, as he and his guests take a deep dive into the issues that impact our world with an eye to exploring solutions. Emmy Award-winning actor Bill Myers is an accomplished actor, jazz musician, filmmaker, writer, educator, and speaker. As a biracial man who's both black and white, Bill leverages his background, talent, and voice through creativity, compassion, and connection as activism for social justice to focus on uniting the divide and compelling change. Bill Myers Inspires encourages listeners to look within themselves and take decisive action to make a positive difference. For more information, visit his website, BillMyersInspires.com, and sign in for the latest news and updates. You're listening to Bill Myers Inspires here on the Inspired Choices Network. We're here every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for joining us. And now, let's get back to the conversation. We are back. Uh, you're listening to Bill Myers Inspires. I'm your host, Bill Myers, with my special guest, Faye Williams. Now, we're talking about Juneteenth today. And um, so, so you've got 
I mean, there's it's such a rich history of, of not only knowledge about Juneteenth, but even even as much about Galveston and, and the community of Galveston and uh, is is amazing. But I I've got a, a a concern, a question that I want to float very quickly, and that is, at this time, with racial tensions being at a very high sort of peak place and the voting rights stuff and all the challenges and all of those things that are going on, the the likelihood of this at this particular time that something like Juneteenth would pass with flying colors with the Republican buy-in to me feels disingenuous at best. And I only say that as much as, and I'm not trying to be cynical, I'm not trying to be pessimistic, but I certainly don't trust it because there are too many moves that are going sort of in a contrary way uh, with regards to Blacks in America. So suddenly to have this almost unanimous vote from Republicans saying, yay, yeah, we're for this, I don't see that <laughs> that that seems otherworldly at this time um because i was thinking about ron myers i wrote a nice post about ron and saying i know he's dancing in heaven right now because of his work was finally fulfilled regardless of what my opinion was about it it's a victory and i and i and i now look at his work in a different light and say hey amen yes. to 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 that uh work but that would have been far more likely uh, to to pass 10 years ago than today. And I'm saying now with the tensions being as high as they are and for this thing to sort of sweep through without even really any real contesting it, you know, I mean, that that level of Republican buy-in, I just, I, re, I, I will compare it to another statement very quickly and then I, I will let you jump in there. And it was, Mitch McConnell on the topic of reparations and Mitch McConnell says, we, you know, we already did reparations. You, 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 uh, you had Barack Obama as president. Again, that is a disconnect, but that's a cheap shot on so many levels to say, well, we gave you that. And I just feel like Juneteenth could be that second bone thrown out there that says, we gave you that holiday too. What else do you want? You know what I mean? And so I, I hate to be cynical, but it's hard for me to to sleep comfortably and say that that is well has changed. Their hearts have melted. I think that it is always political expediency. I do not expect people to do the right thing because I know often they have the wrong reasons. And I look at the reason behind it. I see it as a great thing and it is playing worldwide. Remember, we have suffered badly on the world stage. Mm -hmm. So doing something that appears to be generous, forgiving spirit. But we still have to keep our eye on the prize and make sure that we did what we did in 2020 in terms of voter turnout. 
I want to see more people participate in the daily affairs of government. I am troubled by the fact that the people who are celebrating have never attended a meeting of city council, election board and everything. And I want the celebration to extend to more political education and political activisms that we celebrate Juneteenth because it is a great reminder of being free, but how we use the freedom makes a big difference. And it's by using the rights, which all of the amendments to the constitution extend to us, but still taking the time to appreciate and celebrate. Amen. Well, I appreciate you uh, and you uh, sharing not just that statement, but but sharing your time here today and 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 the work that you've done in the in in Indianapolis and in the community and 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 your steadfastness and in, in being active and and the promotion of activism on the part of others. I mean, I think that that is deeply needed, and I and I just commend you, Faye, for being you. Faye. You know, Wonder I've enjoyed Woman. it. I've met wonderful people in my life in Indiana. Mm -hmm. And I am very proud of some of the people that I met that I have met and influenced over the years that they continue to be activists. Mm -hmm. That's so that is so wonderful. That is so wonderful. And I know that we here in Indianapolis are grateful that you landed here. <laughs> so, um, so yes, so today we are talking about Juneteenth and my guest, Faye Williams, it's been a pleasure having her with us today. Um, and I would, I would ask you, the audience, to take a look at some of these documents, uh, the Emancipation Proclamation and others, and read for yourself, because I think that there is a wealth of knowledge to be gained there. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you here next week. Thank you for spending your afternoon right here with us at Bill Myers Inspires. Remember, we're here every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Inspired Choices Network. Remember to take time this week to take a breath and look within yourself and figure out how you can make a positive difference in this world. Spread the word, and we'll see you here next Friday. Have a wonderful week. You can have that one.